0: You're listening to a podcast from Jubilee Church, Farnham. To find out more, visit www.jubilee.church. Great. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here this morning and uh, to once again have the privilege to be able to talk to you um, so that we can learn more about who God is, what he's done for us, and how amazing he is. And um, as Sean's already mentioned, I've got the privilege... Particularly to talk to you about worship, which I think now, if you've been to Jubilee before, you will know is a particular passion of mine. I love to talk about worship. And in some ways, I'm kind of sat there just before uh, Sean got up to do the notice and thought, actually, do I need to get up and talk at all? Could we actually just spend the next hour and a half or whatever it would have been just worshipping? And Certainly I would have loved that because that's what I love to do. But I think there is something right in coming to the Word of God and giving that uh, prominence in our meetings together. So hopefully today I'm going to share with you a few kind of practical aspects of what is worship Um, because we're in a uh, kind of bit of a sermon series at the moment looking at um, what is. Um, We're in the year of new life at the moment. And so last week, um, Sean talked about what is salvation Um, and for those of you who don't know, I'm a teacher and uh, there's a bit of a craze at the moment in teaching. We go through various things and things are kind of hot topics and at the moment the hot topic is what I call silent starter quizzes or knowledge recap quizzes. So um, Sean spoke about what is salvation last week so I've done a very teacher thing and I've blanked out some of the words. It's very mean, isn't it? Those of you who are taking notes are rapidly thinking, uh-huh, I've got my notes, I can just look back at my notes from last week. Is anybody doing that? I th- oh, yeah. <laughs> Cheating, I think you'll find. Yes. This is where I'm supposed to say, no looking at your notes. Um, but these were some of the things that Sean particularly drew our attention to with regards to what is salvation. And as I was listening to Sean, I was looking at those words and thinking, because this is predominantly how my mind works. These are just some of the reasons why we come to worship our Father. Isn't that right? You know, he's a savior. What's the missing word? Oh, Messiah. We'll go to somebody with notes because they'll get them right. <laughs> so he's our savior, our Messiah, our rescuer. Isn't that great reason to worship God? Atonement, sacrifice, and lamb. He's the lamb. Which word have I missed out there? Justification, debt, and forgiveness. He is a God who forgives. Another great reason to worship him. Election. Yes, very good. I'm impressed, especially if you haven't got notes, because my memory is rubbish. Very good, Alex. Yes, election, grace, and favor. Uh, One missing word there. Mercy and compassion. It was love, love. Sean, they're not remembering an awful lot, but I, Sean's struggling to remember them, so it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, and the last one, healing, wholeness, and, you know, that list there, I was just thinking, well, what a, what a, what a great reason to worship God. So that was just a quick recap of what we talked about last week. And as I said already, this week we're looking at what is worship? What is worship? Fairly recently I spoke about worship and I thought we'd just quickly recap on the three Ps that I put to you. Worship is our purpose, it's our priority, and it's about God's presence. And we looked at the fact that we're created to worship. Now I've got numerous books on worship and all of them talk about the fact that as humans we are created to worship. It is the essence of who we are and why we are made. The fact that God made us to worship is absolutely at the core. And worship is our response wholeheartedly to God. Um, and it's our purpose in life. Our purpose in life is found in bringing glory to God and knowing the joy of having a relationship with Him. And it's our chief end. And ultimately, we will go on in eternity to worship God forever and ever. And worship is an act of joy. Then we looked at worship is our priority. And uh, I encouraged you to make worship a priority in our lives, not just sung worship, We were looking more holistically about a life of worship. Uh, We looked at worship first and service second and how that links in with the great commandment before the great commission, the fact that we are um, foremost told to love and worship God and then to be uh, uh, witnesses. So worship is our response to what we value most and he needs to become our number one priority above every other ambition affection and activity. And finally, we looked at worship is about God's presence. It's about a relationship. It's not about religion, but relationship. Worship is found in the person of Christ. Worship is a gift, and worship changes us. So already, I think we've got a sense of what worship is all about. Um, But today, we're going to look specifically at kind of our corporate times of worship and therefore I think predominantly our sung worship as we've done. And um, if you're like me, you've been coming to church for many years, I think sometimes we can forget why we do things. Why do we sing songs? Why do we clap our hands? Why do some of us dance? Why do some of us bow down? Why do some of us close? You know, all of these things that I think We intuitively do, or perhaps it's ingrained within aspects of our culture, Um, but actually they're quite scriptural and biblical. And actually the reason that we do these things is because God has told us in his word to do them. He's told us to sing songs. He's told us to lift up our hands. He's told us to bow before him. And so this is, I suppose, just a quick reminder of why we do these certain things. So... A good place to start, and uh, something I'll often do in my assemblies, is look at the definition of a word that we're looking at. So the word worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. So there's two or three key words I would say in there, expression, reverence, and adoration. And that's what worship is. Worship is an expression of our adoration towards God. I really like this definition by... um, I'm not really sure how to pronounce her surname. Anna Hellebronth, I think. Uh, She's a songwriter and uh, works at Worship Central. And she says this, although I think, if I'm honest, she's nabbed it from somewhere else, but I couldn't quite find where it was from. Whatever has your heart's affection, your mind's attention and your soul's ambition has your worship. Whatever it is that our heart goes out towards, whatever it is that our mind is constantly thinking of, and whatever it is that our souls long for and desire is what we worship. Now, hopefully, in our cases as Christians, that is predominantly aimed and focused at God. However, as I said at the beginning, we're all created to worship. And so sadly, lots of people will um, give their heart's affection, their mind's attention, and their soul's ambitions to other things. Hobbies, careers, relationships. And what we have to do is to constantly remind ourselves that actually we are created not to worship creation, but we are created to worship the Creator we're not created to worship aspects of this world or anything that is of man, but we are created to worship the Creator of all things. And um, I think sometimes worship can be a little bit peculiar, a bit strange. And there are some phrases that we sing or do or say that, if I'm honest, if a, a kind of non Christian were to hear us, they would think it was all a bit crazy. You th- Sing songs about fire falling down from heaven and being washed in Jesus' blood, and sometimes some of these things are a bit unusual. And so I thought we just want to unpack some of those. Um, But first of all, one of the things I really uh, love to ponder on and think of is who do we worship? Who is God? What is He like? And why do we worship Him? So there's a bit of a long list for which I apologize, but just as a a way of kind of reminding ourselves, well, why do we worship God? Is is he even worthy of our praise and adoration? There are some things here. There's a great book, um, The Attributes of God, um, which talks in more detail about these and is really, really good to inspire you to worship God. He's infinite. He's self-existent. He doesn't have an origin. He knows no beginning. He has no middle. He has no end. He's immutable. God never changes. He's dependable. He is the same every day. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't have any needs. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful, omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He is always everywhere. The God that we worship is wise. He's full of perfect and unchanging wisdom. He's also faithful. He is Infinitely, unchangeably true. He can't change because he's already perfect. The God we worship is so good. He's kind and full of goodwill. He's just, perfect in all that he does. He's merciful and compassionate. He's gracious. He's inclined to spare the guilty. God is loving, and his love for us is unconditional and he's glorious, he's beautiful, and he is great. Now, that list could go on and on and on and on because there are so many reasons why we're called to worship God. There are so many reasons, but that's just to point out a few. Now, sometimes people ask the question, well, if God is all of those things, why does he need our praise? if he's already perfect, if he's already powerful, if he's already all of those things that we've described, why do we need to praise him? Surely he doesn't need any of that. And i um, got this quote here, which says, when we act out of our love and acknowledgement of him in this way, we fulfill our purpose, which I spoke about earlier, and when we are rightly fulfilling our purpose, we have the best possible joy, God is pleased, our relationship with him is enhanced, and he has rightly received what he deserves. Luckily, this is not a difficult command to follow, for when we truly love him, our praise will flow naturally from that love. Now, the the key bit in there is about it's what God deserves. And God desires the praises of his people. He longs for it. And uh, one of the stories that I read, which really kind of helped me to understand this, was about a school teacher who got given uh, a fairly naff penknife by one of their students. Now, that teacher didn't need that penknife. They'd probably had a far more superior penknife back at their home. But the fact that a child had given that gift out of love, out of adoration, as a way of saying thank you to their teacher, it meant so much. And... um, I've got two little kids, six and four years old, and we're at that lovely stage where they're just learning how to write. Um, And I think as well, they're also beginning to get get the concept of gift giving. And so every now and then, I'll go up to my room and I will see there's a little note on my pillow. Um, Normally from Esther, although Elijah's latched on because he's realized that I really like that. So uh, he said, oh, I want some of that action. I want to get that. Um, thanks from my dad and it's the same thing isn't it i don't need those notes i don't need esther to tell me that she loves me but it means the world to us doesn't it as parents to have our children tell us that they love us and that they're grateful and and that they do something in their own small way to show that appreciation and our heavenly father is the same he doesn't need our praise. He can't be made bigger. He can't be made greater. He can't be made more powerful. It can't magnify his love or his compassion because he's already all of those things. But what it does is it pleases his heart for us to hear him, for us to say to him, Father, I love you. I worship you. I adore you. I think you are incredible. And that pleases his heart so much. And it talks about um, how God sings over us. And I think that's what happens when we, we worship him. He sings over us. God loves to sing over us. He delights in the praises of his people. So that's why it's important to not think about God needing our praise in terms of making him bigger or better or more powerful. It's the fact that he delights in the praise of his children. So I mentioned at the start about some of the um, kind of practical things we do here on a Sunday. So we're going to look, I'm going to focus predominantly on Psalms because uh, a Psalm is a book of praise. Um, They're great places to go as worship leaders. We love the Psalms. Uh, They're great for kind of calling people into worship. And so we're going to look at um, seven Hebrew words for praise because actually Um, our English language has been kind of condensed down. And actually, they're not just seven. There's lots and lots more. But these are the kind of seven ones that are used most often in uh, Psalms and other places in the Bible. And I think what it will help us do is understand a little bit about some of the practices that we do. Now, I'm not an expert in languages. In fact, it was the subject I found most challenging at school, Um, Back in my day, we had to take a language. Students don't have to do that at the moment. Um, but I had to take French. And goodness me, I found it hard. Uh, little did I know that uh, actually, had I paid more attention in my French classes, I might have been a little bit better at communicating with my French grandparents, uh, my, my Chrissy's grandparents, my in-law parents, whatever they're called. Um, yes, anyway, so those exchanges might have been slightly less awkward if I'd have learned a bit more French. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm not kind of an expert in Hebrew, but what I think these do is help us understand some of the things we're going to do. So I might pronounce them incorrectly, so apologies if there is a Hebrew expert in the room. So the first one is um, halal. And the kind of dictionary definition, I suppose, um, would be, all of these words are praise, by the way. So um, in Psalms, you'll see the word praise, but it, in some instances, it will be halal, which will be... St- um, a slightly different variation on it. So it's to be clear, to praise, to shine, to boast. Love that bit of it. To show, to rave, to celebrate, and then clamorous, clamorously foolish, uh, which I often think um, I tend to do when I kind of jump about a little bit. It's kind of that awkward, embarrassing dad-dancing dad moment, isn't it? Like at weddings. But it's that kind of aspect. And as you can see from the image there, um, It can often be very outward looking um, and it's a a real kind of demonstration visually of your praise, adoration and worship to God. So um, you'll probably also realize it's similar to hallelujah. Okay, so it's the same root word. And so it essentially is another way of kind of saying praise be to God. And this is the most common Um, Hebrew word used. It's used 96 times. Um, It clearly shows which team you're on. Again, I love that. clearly shows that you're on God's side, you're on his team, and you want to praise and worship him. And to an outsider, if you were demonstrating this aspect of praise um, in its truest form, outsiders might think it a bit over the top, a little bit too much, a little bit Ooh, that's a little bit OTT. Um, but actually, I think that this word is uh, a way of showing exactly how much we love God. So uh, this isn't from Psalms, my apologies, but this word, halal, is used when uh, Jesus is walking into Jerusalem on the donkey and, they, and the crowd are going mad Okay, and you can can imagine it, can't you? You know, Jesus has done all these amazing things, and they're going crazy to the point where uh, the religious leaders say, "Uh, Jesus, can you tell your people to pipe down? You know, they're being a bit crazy. Uh, They need to be a little bit more reverent. And And Jesus responds by saying, if they were to keep quiet, these stones will cry out. So... It's that sense of halal. Jesus was center stage at this point and people were absolutely showing that they were worshiping him. And then uh, this is an example of where you would see it in Psalms. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. And I don't know about you, but I think creation is praising God in a halal kind of way creation is extravagant if we look back at those words we could apply them couldn't we you know if you look at creation it's clear that god is there in it um creation is quite boastful isn't it you know don't you look at uh, creation sometimes and think well that is pretty full-on you're you're boasting about how amazing god is so that's the first one next one is yada and um, this means the extending of hands to throw out a hand or to lift hands upwards in praise and surrender. So you'll have seen many of us, myself included, doing that already this morning. And you might be thinking, well, what on earth are they doing that for? Is he up there? Are they, are they pointing to him? Can they see him up there? What's, what's that about? Um, but actually, it's scriptural. So um, this is about throwing hands upwards in praise and surrender it's um, i suppose quite interesting that of course the gesture to surrender is to raise up your hands yeah so if you're you know you're kind of saying look no uh, you know i'm in your hands you know i'm not i'm not i've not got the agenda here i'm in your hands whoever it is police whatever it's a, it's a signal of surrender isn't it? And that's what we do when we lift our hands up to him. We're surrendering to his power, his might, and his authority. And we're showing him that, just like we would if we were in a situation where, no, you know, I'm in your hands. I surrender to your authority. If that were to be the case, I'm sure all of us would intuitively do that. We're reaching in his direction, longing to be free from our sin and our brokenness. There is no greater relief than to know we are in a, re- a right relationship with our Creator. Um, one of the Bible st- there's loads of Bible stories about praise and worship. Of course there is. Um, but one that I think is a demonstration of how important this aspect of raising your hands is where Moses is holding his hands and Joshua is fighting a battle and Moses becomes weary. His arms physically become weary and so his hands begin to fall And as soon as um, Moses begins to lower his hands, um, Joshua starts to lose the battle. And so um, Aaron realizes this and the importance and significance of the raising of hands, that he physically comes and holds up Moses' hands for him so that he can be um, continuing to praise God. I mean, doesn't that just show how important it is to lift up our hands? And the other thing, which I think is a great way of thinking about this yada, again, is you know God is our heavenly father, and we are his children, and, and we can talk about that scripturally, and it often talks about how that is a way of we, we should think about God. And what do kids do when they want help from their father? When they fall over, they come running to you, and they want you to pick them up. And what do they do? They raise out their hands, in extension, to pray. So... Um, lots of examples of this. This one from Psalms says, let the heavens praise your wonders. And that would be the word yada. Okay, so next one is Tauda. Now, this is also to do with raising of hands, but it's slightly different in the sense that this is an extension of the hand in adoration, a vowel or acceptance. Um, and... I suppose there are kind of two types of raisings of hands. One, which is the one we've just talked about, Yada, which is bringing glory to him. But you'll also hear people talking about lift your hands up and and be ready to receive from God. And this is more of um, this kind of worship, Tauda. And it's an extension of the hands in adoration and a vow. So you're you're vowing to God, I want to receive and hear from you because I want to live my life according to how you would want me to live my life. It's like we, we, you know, we say our vows, don't we, at weddings, because we're, we're promising to be there for each other as we get married. And it's the same kind of thing. This aspect of worship is promising to um, worship God and do as he would want us to do. So um, this time the hands are raised in a receiving posture, reaching out in trust and surrender as we look up to God and acknowledging him as our source. And uh, the, one of the places that this is used in Psalms is this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So that's Tauda. Shabbat is um, all about, again, this is quite an exuberant one. It's about shouting and addressing in a loud tone to command and to triumph. And again, you might hear this in services where people will just shout out a praise of thanks or a praise of adoration, just declaring how amazing God is, um, how wonderful he is, how much His love, all of those attributes that we looked at. And so this would be um, one of those examples where uh, this this aspect of praise would be shabak. So it's quite loud um, and there's that kind of sense to it. And this would be used in Psalm 63. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. If his love is better than life, we're going to want to shout about that, aren't we? If it's that amazing, then we're going to want to kind of raise a shout. And it says, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. Live, sorry. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Again, there referring back to one of the other types of praise. So that's shabak, a shout, a declaration, a a praise um, offering to God. Then the next one is barak, which talks about kneeling down to bless God as an act of adoration um, and to salute. And um, again, this is something that people sometimes feel compelled to do in worship time their kind of sense of adoration for God leads them to want to physically, literally bow before him. Now, we can do that um, literally. We can do that metaphorically. Um, but this is, a really, again, another really important part of our way of praising and worshipping God. And, and often in the Psalms, it talks about bowing down, as it does in Psalm 95, verse 6, where it says, Come. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The next one is, there's two more, so I know I'm going quite quickly. Zama is about specifically using instruments to praise God. Now, that can be guitars, as I've put on the screen there, but also our voice is an instrument, Um, as a music teacher, I used to often get asked the question, "Oh, my, my parent, oh, my daughter only sings. Can she still take GCSE music?" Well, yeah, of course she can, because your voice is an instrument. Um, and so this is referring not only to the use of instruments in terms of guitars, and of course, you know, again in the psalms we hear of trumpets being used to praise God, which I particularly like as a trumpet player. Um, but also guitars and lyres and cymbals and all other sorts of instruments, and of course our voices. So this is why we sing songs on a Sunday, and that's why we do it every Sunday, and that's why all aspects of church, whether it's, um, you know, whatever denomination, there will be aspects of sung worship in their meeting, I would have thought, because... It's an important aspect of our praise and worship to Jesus. And there are countless of examples um, where singing and using instruments are used in the Bible. So again, it's not just something we just seem to have picked up. Oh, we've done it for years, so we're just going to do it again next Sunday. It's scriptural. It is telling us to do that. And this part would be Zamar. It's used 44 times. um, And of course, they talk about cymbals and trumpets. So there it is something I don't get to do very much these days, but uh, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Psalm 150. And finally, the last one, uh, Tehillah is to sing or to shout, uh, perceive to involve music, especially singing hymns of the Spirit or praise. Um, so, very similar to Zamar. Um, But this one is more about, there's a distinction between uh, things that are rehearsed, i.e. hymns and songs that we will all sing, um, and then other kind of free aspects of worship. So zama would be more free. There wouldn't be that kind of set uh, lyrics, tune, um, structure within the songs, etc. So Halal is seen, as we said, very obvious, so almost if If you were to look, you would see halal. But if you uh, were to hear, you would hear Tehillah, because it's about the song that God gives us. And we are to come into God's presence with Tehillah as we do. His presence comes into us and fills us, for it is the praise that we know God will inhabit. So there are kind of three types. Psalms, which is our personal Uh, relationship with God, and if you read the psalms, they're so personal. As David talks, he pours out his heart, his feelings, his emotions. Then there's hymns that are more objectively declaring God's praise, and then there are also spiritual songs, um, which are about singing in the spirit. So that's Tehillah, um, which is the last one. And um, this psalm is, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So hopefully that's given us a little bit of an insight into what is worship. Um, and that's perhaps just literally explain some of the things that we do. If you've been sat there thinking, well, why is this happening? Why do they do that? You know, all of that kind of stuff. That's some of the scriptural um, kind of evidence, really, I suppose, to say that's why we do those things. And hopefully that's inspired you, I suppose, to worship God. I'm just going to go back to uh, the quote that I did earlier. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as well, um, and I'm going to read from a psalm. You know, worship is so important to who we are as individuals, um, which is why I'm think this is so important whatever your heart's affection your mind's attention and your soul's ambition has your worship now I totally get that life is busy you know I've got a six and a four year old they keep me very busy and I know that sometimes we can all be guilty of coming to church on a Sunday and not really being in the zone I suppose Um, and setting aside just for one moment the fact that you know, true worship, um, to worship in spirit and in truth is about a whole life thing. But actually there's something so important about coming together as a body of believers, as a congregation, as members of God's family. There's something so important about just forgetting everything else for this time that we come together, just to praise and worship him. Um, and I really believe in the power of worship, I really do, because I know that we live in a world that isn't just about flesh, it's about the spirit. And so something happens, I'm, I'm not really gonna be able to explain it to you because as we've said, it's kind of incomprehensible, but whatever your situation is, whether you're in that place where you want to shout out a praise to God because you're feeling like you're on the mountaintop or whether you want to stand and just receive and acknowledge that you need God's help, or whether you want to just close your eyes and reflect on his beauty, his majesty, and his splendor. Whatever it is, however you display your act of worship, and there is no right or wrong way of doing it necessarily, but what God calls for, what he longs for, is our desire to lift him up. He doesn't want us all to be the same. He's a creative God. He doesn't want us all to worship in the same way. He's just given you a song to sing, and I mean that poetically. He just wants your affection. He wants your longing. He he wants you to rest and bask in his presence because, because when we praise and worship God, he interacts with us. He's a, he's a living God, and when, he, when we worship Him, there will be things that will happen in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls that we won't really understand. We won't be able to really take it in. And so I suppose what, what we're wanting to do this morning is just, perhaps based on some of the things that I've shared, just refocus our desire as we, in this year of new life, Perhaps God's wanting to refresh that desire to worship him. Perhaps he's wanting to create a new energy and excitement about who he is and what he's done for us. And so we're going to create some space. I'm going to ask um, you to stand just out of reverence, really. And um, if you're able to, I'd love you to do that. I'm going to read a psalm. I'm going to read Psalm 145 just to really draw us back into the presence of God, and I I mean, you you can respond however you like. You may want to lift up your hands. You may want to bow down. You may want to stand and receive. You may want to do any of these things that we've talked about, and I suppose what I'm saying is I'm just giving you uh, the opportunity to, to do that. So as I read Psalm 145, let's just gather in the presence of the Almighty. Let's not take for granted the fact that we are welcomed in to the Holy of Holies. We've been accepted as sons and daughters of the living God. (coughs) Let's just stand in awe of our mighty Savior. Let's worship Him. Let's praise Him. Psalm 145, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your work to another. THEY TELL OF YOUR MIGHTY ACTS. THEY SPEAK OF THE GLORIOUS SPLENDOR OF YOUR MAJESTY, AND I WILL MEDITATE ON YOUR WONDERFUL WORKS. THEY TELL OF THE POWER OF YOUR AWESOME WORKS, AND I WILL PROCLAIM YOUR GREAT DEEDS. THEY CELEBRATE YOUR ABUNDANT GOODNESS AND JOYFULLY SING OF YOUR RIGHTEOUSNESS. THE LORD is gracious and compassionate he is slow to anger and rich in love the lord is good to all he has compassion on all that he has made all your works praise you lord your faithful people extol you they tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing the lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does the lord is near to all who call on him to all who call on him in truth he fulfills the desires of those who fear him he hears their cry and saves them the Lord watches over all who love him but all the wicked he will destroy my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.